Exodus chapter 39, look at verse 43 again, please. And Moses did look upon all the work, and behold, they had done it as the Lord had commanded. Even so had they done it. And Moses blessed them. Very similar to Matthew 25. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Also from last week, we touched on Zechariah 14.20. And the latter part of that uh, verse was slightly overlooked. And it speaks about, and the pots of the Lord's house. John 14.1, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Shall be like the bowls before the altar. Going back to the tabernacle going back to the temple so Moses blessed the Jews 39:43 Messiah blesses those that survive the tribulation Matthew 25:21 and into the promised land they go Father in heaven we give you thanks for your blessings over the last 124 weeks this will be week 125 and by the grace of God we've been able to accumulate 64 and a half hours and on average, we have accumulated 52 minutes per service. And we pray for your blessing, Lord, as we come to the end of this two and a half year study looking at the book of Exodus. We pray for your mercy and grace. Please fill us with your spirits, cleanse us of our sins. And we give you thanks once again for your mercy and grace. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. amen. So like I say, uh, this will be a week 125, if you care to know. Last week, we reached 64 and a half hours of material. 28.5 months and like I say on average we have accumulated 52 minutes per service apart from Genesis this has been the longest study to date and Lord willing study after next we will look at the book of Psalms five six perhaps seven years we will see so let's aim to finish Exodus chapter 40 and Exodus as a book as well 40 verse 1 and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, On the first day of the first month shalt thou set up the tabernacle of the tent of the congregation. So they were told to build it. Two gentlemen were equipped to build it. And now it's time to put their faith into action. It was C.T. Study who said faith alone is enough for salvation, but it has to be faith and works to really make your faith come alive. And I believe that. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, on the first day of the first month shalt thou set up the tabernacle of the tent of the congregation. First day of the first month will be April the 1st, Nissan in the UK. April the 1st is our financial year. We go April to April concerning our financial affairs in this country. And for the Jews, the first day of their first month would be Nissan, like I say. And thou shalt put therein the ark of the testimony and cover the ark with the veil. The veil picturing Christ's body, the veil picturing the universe. And of course the veil was ripped, Matthew 27, when Christ died on the cross. Like I've been saying over the last 15, 16 weeks or so, this book is circular. It goes around and around and around and around, like a merry-go-round. 40 verse 4. And thou shalt bring in the table, and set in order the things that are to be set in order upon it. And thou shalt bring in the candlestick and light the lamps thereof. It's the Lord's home. So basically, the tabernacle was God's home on the earth. Matthew 25. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. It's a circle. It's a circle. Starts with tabernacle. Concludes with temple. 
the third and final temple. And here, the Lord is putting his house in order. You've got incense from verse 5. You've got a light from verse 4. You think of a property today without a light on. You can't see anything, obviously. In the summer, you close the curtains to keep the uh, light out. And in the winter, you open the curtains to let the light in. 40 verse 5. And thou shalt set the altar of gold for the incense before the ark of the testimony, and put the hanging of the door to the to the tabernacle. And thou shalt set the altar of the burnt offering before the door of the tabernacle of the tents of the congregation. And thou shalt set the lava between the tent of the congregation and the altar, and shalt put water therein. Water is found numerous times in chapter 40. Our birth, our new birth, is a picture of water, if you will, when you get baptised. In a physical sense, you are demonstrating to people that you've been baptized in a spiritual sense. Or put it this way, when you got baptized, people could see you being baptized. When I baptized Patrick, he baptized me many years ago. People could see that. A picture of our faith, yes, in Israel. James chapter 2, our works are being done to be seen by people all around us. But the Lord saw our hearts before we got baptized. So use this analogy. Aaron and co. are pictures of surgeons. They're scrubbing up for service. 40 verse 8. And thou shalt set up the court round about, and hang up the hanging at the court gate. And thou shalt take the anointing oil, and anoint the tabernacle, and all that is therein, and shalt hallow it, and all the vessels thereof, and it shall be holy. So God is obviously holy. The Bible is obviously holy. The tabernacle has been declared holy because God is holy. The tabernacle is God's home. Again, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go and prepare a place for you. That's good news. So he is holy. His place is holy. And because we belong to him, we are holy. We are sons and daughters of the king. So we have an anointing. We are holy. Like David's sons, like David's daughters. His daughters would wear particular clothing. And some of the clothing that they would wear would uh, make it clear they were virgins. We are a chaste virgin. And one day we will be presented spotless and without blemish to Almighty God. Not down to our own standing, of course, but down to who, uh, our standing in Him. 40 verse 10. And thou shalt anoint the altar of the burnt offering and all his vessels and sanctify the altar and it shall be an altar most holy. Vessels, holy vessels, contrast that to somebody who isn't saved. They are an empty vessel. But we are holy vessels. We present our vessels, our bodies as a sacrifice to the Lord. 11. And thou shalt anoint the lava and his foot and sanctify it. And thou shalt bring Aaron and his sons unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation and wash them with water. Water again. So for the New Testament, uh, when Jesus Christ first arrived, did his miracles, uh, John chapter 2, he turned water into wine. A miracle. And of course, water into wine is a picture of Moses turning the Nile into blood. Water pictures, blood. Blood is a picture of our redemption. This book is a circle. It goes round and round and round. And the more you read it, the more you realise just how difficult it is to tie down. But basically, water from verse 12, picture of the blood of Christ, picture of imputation. 40 verse 13. And thou shalt put upon Aaron the holy garments, and anoint him, and sanctify him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. A picture of New Jerusalem. David is going to return. The prince is going to be active on the new earth. Sons of the prince are going to be active on the new earth. Quite likely to be David and co. 
Third temple goes up, Revelation 11 never comes down. So you see once again what you're reading this morning in Exodus chapter 40, pre-grace, way back in the Old Testament, under a theocracy, is going to return. And I'll explain that more this morning, Lord willing. 40 verse 14. And thou shalt bring his sons, and clothe them with coats. And thou shalt anoint them, as thou didst anoint their father, that they may minister, that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. For their anointing shall surely be an everlasting priesthood throughout their generations, if they would walk with him. A theocracy, like I say, but they wouldn't walk with him. By 1 Samuel chapter 8, they have turned from the Lord. They don't want him to rule over them anymore. They want kings to rule over them. So they go from a theocracy to a monarchy to apostasy. So yes, verse 15 on its own is correct. And sometimes you may hear Orthodox Jews read this verse and say, well, hasn't been cancelled out, hasn't been erased out. Yes, it has. Jeremiah 31 speaks about a new covenant. Hebrews 8 speaks about a new covenant. The Jews lost their theocracy. And they went from a theocracy to a monarchy. The kings all fell apart. Jesus Christ came, was born via Mary, of course, virgin birth, because the line of the kings was cursed. Israel ends in apostasy. The church comes in, and we too end in apostasy. Laodicea. 40 verse 16. Thus did Moses, according to all that the Lord commanded him, so did he. If you love me, keep my words. Moses didn't deviate from the Lord up until this point in his ministry. Messiah never deviated from his ministry. Paul was told on one occasion not to go up to Jerusalem and went up anyway. Peter would argue with the Lord Jesus Christ, Acts chapter 10. Barnabas would take his nephew's side uh, concerning a squabble. Moses would argue with the Lord, would fall foul of the Lord along with his brother and sister. Only one man, of course, never would do such a thing, the Lord Jesus Christ. 40.17 And it came to pass in the first month, in the second year, on the first day of the month, that the tabernacle was reared up. It's ready to go. It's reared up. The cross was erected, 30 AD. You could see it outside of Jerusalem. Inside of Jerusalem, you could see it. Uh, different parts of Jerusalem. He was crucified on a hill. So those at the bottom of the hill could look up and see him hanging on the cross. And here the tabernacle has been reared up. It's up and running, ready to go. And Moses reared up the tabernacle and fastened his sockets and set up the boards thereof and put in the bars thereof and reared up his pillars, his. Think of uh, Jacob way back in Genesis. He's on his uh, travels and he starts to uh, get closer to the Lord. The Lord uh, draws closer to him and he puts some stones together picturing the future temple stones of the high priest and of course jesus christ is the chief cornerstone again this book is a circle it starts off way back in genesis pre the law a guy called jacob meaning israel meaning prince jesus christ prince of prince king of kings lord of lords it starts off with those pre the law walking by their light honoring their conscience and they'll be judged by their conscience romans chapter 2 it ends with a man in a box last part of genesis by the beginning of exodus it's gloom doom and gloom exodus begins in gloom but it ends in glory the lord of glory this book is a circle i keep saying that but it's true i've been through the bible many times i've been through the new testament probably well over a hundred times i'm still scratching the surface and as far as the old testament is concerned 
maybe 30 times, 35 times. I'm not boasting, I'm just stating a fact. And I still don't really understand this book, but I love this book, I love the Lord, and I hope you do as well. Make it your life's duty to study this book, to really memorize it. But pillars, verse 18, his pillars, history, going back to what I said last week, his story, history, not Michael Jackson, the Lord Jesus Christ. Pillars, the church is built on the pillars. Simon Peter was a pillar, Galatians chapter 2. Paul was a pillar, Galatians chapter 2. Stones, rocks, thou art Peter, and upon this rock will I build my church, you understand? Stones, rocks, pre the law, post the law, Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. 40, verse 19. And he spread aboard the tent over the tabernacle, but the covering of the tents above upon it, as the Lord commanded Moses. It's interesting how Moses is taking the lead. Not Aaron. Aaron was only a priest. Possibly a prophet, but he wasn't a king. A priest, prophet, king. David was a priest, prophet, king. Jesus, priest, prophet, king. And yet Moses is almost doing the role of a priest, prophet, and king. But the first king would be Saul. 1 Samuel chapter 8. Going back to, starts with a theocracy, a monarchy, ends with apostasy. It's like today, you can't get around it, can you? The Jews started off with a great blessing, Jehovah's people. It says how uh, Queen of Sheba traveled from far to visit Solomon, was blown away by his wisdom. She brought a caravan with her, gifts were exchanged, and yet by the end of Solomon's life, he wasn't even 60 when he died. Thousand wives, concubines, worship money, the love of money is the roots of all evil. And like I say, their history ends in apostasy, very much like ours. But 17, the tabernacle was set up one year after the exodus from Egypt and nine months after Israel's arrival at Sinai. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, 40, uh, 20, 40 verse 20. And he took and put the testimony into the ark and set the staves on the ark and put the mercy seats above upon the ark. And he brought the ark into the tabernacle and set up the veil of the covering and cover the ark of the testimony as the Lord commanded Moses. And he put the table in the tent of the congregation upon the side of the tabernacle northward without the veil. And he set the bread in order upon it before the Lord as the Lord had commanded Moses. And he put the candlestick in the tent of the congregation over against the table on the side of the tabernacle southward. And he lighted the lamps before the Lord as the Lord commanded Moses. And he put the golden altar in the tent of the congregation before the veil. And he burnt sweet incense thereon, as the Lord commanded Moses. Your prayer, if you pray, is like incense. It's a wonderful smell. It's a sweet aroma. Every time you pray, Acts chapter 10, Cornelius would be a good example. The prayer goes up to heaven. The Lord hears it. And he may, he may act on it straight away. He may not. I was left a comment on one of my videos a few days ago about what do people in heaven make about what goes on on the earth. And somebody left a comment uh, citing Luke 15, how the angels rejoice when a sinner repents. Uh, and that verse was slightly misquoted. It says how they always behold the face of the Father. So you've got angels in heaven seeing the Father's face. And when I repented 18 years ago, and Patrick, over 20 years ago, the angels saw our Father's face, were delighted, were over the moon, uh, to see two sinners repent, to come out of Catholicism. But to say that because the angels can see, Two sinners repenting on earth. How everybody else can see that in heaven is a stretch. Mm -hmm. You can't get that from that one particular verse. 
It says how Gabriel stands in the presence of the Lord in a permanent sense, like the cherubim, and perhaps Michael as well, angels, yes, like I say, uh, Luke chapter 15. But all of the redeemed to be made aware of what goes on in the earth every moment of every day isn't something I hold to. It's a nice thought, I know. If you've got saved parents in heaven today, you like to think your parents are watching down on you, looking down on you, uh, enjoying what you do, and proud of you when you do well, and probably not so proud of you if you don't do so well. Uh, but you can't get that from Luke 15. Angels, yes, not all of the time, I would put it to you, but when sinners repent, they are made aware of that. Also from verse 15, I'm slightly getting ahead of myself, and thou shalt anoint them as thou didst anoint their father, that they may minister unto me in the priest's office, for their anointing shall surely be an everlasting priesthood throughout their generations. There's a picture there of compel them to come in, compel sinners to repent. This was to be a perpetual ministry, because sinners need to be saved, obviously. The priests back in the Old Testament never sat down. I mean, the floor was covered with blood. Once a year, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, going back to the veil, which we looked at several times over the last several weeks, and he would make his way into the Holy of Holies, put the blood on the altar, on the mercy seat, and that would be a covering uh, for people's sins. But uh, verse 15, I'm going to suggest partly pictures sinners being compelled to come in, uh, compelled to repent. 40 verse 28, And he set up the hanging at the door of the tabernacle, and he put the altar of burnt offering by the door of the tabernacle, of the tent of the congregation, and offered upon it the burnt offering and the meat offering, as the Lord commanded Moses. Moses, like I say, was equipped to oversee the tabernacle. We would call him today a project manager. If you go into a building site, if you witness a property being built, they have what's called a PM, not Prime Minister, project manager. And the project manager is responsible for everything, from the blueprints, from the Construction workers, uh, electricians, plumbers, uh, anybody who, who you could think about would be needed to do a job. Glaziers, the PM oversees everything. So Moses, type of Messiah, is overseeing the tabernacle. Messiah came the first time, preached to the Jews. It says how he came unto his own, and his own received him not, but to as many as received him. Thus you and I, to them gave you power to become the sons of God. And again, Matthew 25, end of the tribulation, those that have been saved during the tribulation and haven't been killed by the Antichrist are going to go into the promised land, millennial reign. Moses didn't make it into the promised land, nor did Aaron, nor did Miriam. And yet God in his goodness allowed Moses to see the promised land, uh, Matthew 17. And uh, Mark has the cross-reference, which I can't think of off the top of my head, transfiguration. And of course Moses and Elijah come down from heaven, obviously picturing they were both saved. Clearly they see the Lord Jesus Christ, they commune with him, and they come back, Revelation 11, and Moses dies again, and Elijah dies for the first time. Quick footnotes, I was asked this a few days ago, what about Enoch? Where does he fit into this, never died? He's a picture of somebody who lives in the church age who will never die. Going back to uh, the rapture of the church, we all live uh, with the hope, with the expectation that we will be raptured. In fact, keep your hand there and go to John uh, chapter 11. John chapter 11. Uh, some have suggested that Enoch could be one of the two witnesses. 
because he has to die. But of course, if that uh, would be the case, if that was the case, then that means we need to die as well. And that's not what John 11 uh, says. John 11, John 11, uh, 25. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. First Thessalonians chapter 4. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Could be you and I. Could be right now. We're living in dark days at the moment. There is every possibility to believe. We are living at the end of time. The final of days. I don't know. Don't quote me. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Never die. Never die. Never die. Believest thou this? Absolutely. Go back to Exodus chapter 40. 28. And he set up the hanging at the door of the tabernacle. And he put the altar of burnt offering by the door of the tabernacle of the tent of the congregation. And offered upon it the burnt offering and the meat offering as the Lord commanded Moses. If you eat my flesh, drink my blood, you will have life. John chapter 6, a wonderful Hebrew idiom. And yet, tragically, terribly, tens of millions, if not billions of Catholics, going right back until probably the 4th century, have probably perished believing that they are saved by going to Mass, going to church, taking of the sacraments. And of course you were told to taste the Lord, enjoy the Lord, First uh, Peter chapter 1, but not in a physical sense, that's what vampires do. Christ has been in heaven for 2,000 plus years, or almost 2,000 years now. I've never met him, I've never seen him, I've never, he I've never heard him speak to me, I've never had any miraculous or supernatural encounter with him and yet i believe him trust him love him we live by faith not by sight so if that was to be taken literally how can it be so and people say well every time you take of the communion the bread becomes flesh and the wine becomes blood don't kid me you're told in first corinthians chapter 8 that meat doesn't commend us to god it doesn't commend us to god because we're not saved by what we do we're saved by what he did 40 verse 30 and he set the lava between the tents of the congregation and the altar and put water there to wash with all. Water is good. It cleans you up and it gives you a sense of cleansiness. They say cleansiness or cleansingness. Cleansiness? Cleanliness. Cleanliness, cleanliness yeah. is the sign of godliness. Yeah. But I don't believe that to be so. No. Uh, go to uh, Ephesians chapter 5 so we could say that the water in the old testament is connected with service we could suggest that uh aaron and co are pictures of surgeons scrubbing up to uh, perform a surgery if you will but if you go to ephesians uh chapter 5 i've got a better analogy for you in fact it's not an analogy it's scripture with scripture uh, if you are a Christian man, if you are a Christian woman, if you feel unclean, if you feel bogged down with sin, first of all, confess your sins to the Lord. First uh, John chapter one. But if you want to get cleaner, quicker, go to. Let's see now. Uh, in the wrong place. Go to Ephesians, please. Went to Galatians. Go to Ephesians, chapter five. Uh, Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians. Chapter 5, look at verse uh, 24. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church 
and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Word of God. So you want to be cleansed? Read the scripture. It will clean you every time without fail. 27. That he might present it to himself a glorious church. Not having spots or wrinkle or any such thing. Unlike the church today in a very negative and a very bad way. But that it should be holy and without blemish. That he may sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. The word of God will cleanse you, clean you up. If you believe on his word, you are saved. There are two words, the living word being Jesus Christ, the written word being Jesus Christ. But they both point to him. They both point to him. The word of God can get you saved. What I'm holding in my hands this morning, but the living word can also get you saved. You can't separate the written word from the living word. It's almost like the same person. It's not, but it almost is. One more time. That he may sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he may present it to himself a glorious church. Not having spots or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Go back to the book of Exodus. So, you want to get clean? You want to have a good conscience? You want to feel worthy of walking with the Lord Jesus Christ? Read the scriptures. It will clean you. It will wash you. It will be far better than having a bath or a shower. 40.31 And Moses and Aaron and his sons washed their hands and their feet thereat. When they went into the tent of the congregation, and when they came near unto the altar, they washed, as the Lord commanded Moses. When you arrive home, what do you do? You wash your hands, don't you? You sit down to enjoy a meal, you wash your hands. You start to prepare a meal, you wash your hands. Well, the tabernacle one more time is basically God's home on the earth. It's all about him, and before you have fellowship with him, you wash your hands. Uh, if you're not saved, you wash your heart. If you're not saved, you have a, a clean, a deep clean, if you will, through Christ's imputation. It's as simple as that. But again, I'm going to suggest that the sons of Aaron are spiritual surgeons scrubbing up for service, basically. 40.33 And he read up the courts, round about the tabernacle and the altar, and set up the hanging of the court gates. So Moses finished the work. It is finished. It is done. And... The more you read this, the more you can appreciate what has been achieved. They've been slaves for 400 plus years. They've gone from slaves to sin to servants to the Saviour. This book began doom and gloom, ended in glory. Worshipping the Lord of glory. And here the tabernacle has finally been finished. And for around 500 years, the tabernacle will go all over the place with Israel. It will help David. It will help Saul. It will help Josiah and other kings down the line. But you've got around 500 years from tabernacle to temple. And you think of Malachi to Matthew, around 400 years. So there's a similarity once again. From Malachi to Matthew 27, the temple is the center of the Jews' world. Around 400 plus years, the temple goes down. Uh, that's the end of that era with the Jews and of course the tabernacle was incorporated into the temple so when the temple went down that was the end of tabernacle, temple and of course if you are a saved sinner Christ lives inside of you and your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost again it goes round and round and round and round and round this book is a circle and I'll keep saying that uh, 40 verse 34 then a cloud covered 
the tent of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. We worship an image. And your idols, idolatry is out, right? Mm -hmm. Chapter 20, but Jesus Christ is God's yeah. idol, God's icon, God's image. So to an Orthodox Jew, they see us as idolaters. You worship a man, they say. You worship an image, an idol. Jesus Christ is the image, image of the invisible God. You people are idolaters. No, because Jesus Christ is God Almighty. Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. But to an unsaved person who doesn't know this, they think we are fools. They think we worship a man. Yes, we do worship a man, the God-man, the man Christ Jesus. And that's why it would say in the Gospel of John, he that has seen me has seen the Father. Not that Christ is God the Father, a huge embarrassing blunder, but no, that he is the image of God in human form. So we could say this, every time God speaks in the Old Testament, it's Jesus Christ speaking. Because Father and spirits have decided to allow the Son to represent them. Cloud covered the tents of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. You go back to previous chapters uh, where the Lord was outside and Moses was inside. And here God is inside, Moses is outside. And even now, way back in Exodus chapter 40, there's no salvation per se. We can approach the Lord of glory. We can go straight to him. He ever liveth to make intercession for us. But here, way back in the Old Testament, they've got a priest system, a sacrificial system which will run hundreds of years. All those that believed it followed their consciences as best as they could. Romans chapter 2, even when they died, went into the ground. Abraham, uh, Abraham's bosom. Abraham's bosom. Saved, of course. But they couldn't go to heaven, per se, until Christ went down to release them. Had the keys of heaven and hell, keys of life and death, was able to crush the head of the serpents. And yet, really, that uh, description from uh, Romans 16 crushing the head of the serpent is doctrinally uh, applicable at the second advent for now satan is wounded but he's not destroyed he still goes around like a roaring lion seeking to devour whom he will Forty thirty-five. and moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode thereon and the glory of the lord filled the tabernacle so even now he's restricted he spent two occasions or he's had two meetings with Messiah up on the mount. What Messiah told Moses. He would later write down. But before writing it down. In the word of God. He would articulate it. Oral revelation. And the oral revelation. Would be relayed. To all of the children of Israel. But again. Even at this point in Israel's history. They can't go straight to the Lord. Because again the glorious filled the tabernacle. Moses can't enter. 35. He's outside like looking in but for those of us which are saved we are not only saved we are we are in the heavenly places right now ephesians chapter 2 our conversation is in heaven our names are written in the lamb's book of life so we are greatly blessed we are much more uh enlightened equipped than the jews were back in the old testament so it's very sad when people get saved and read a book like exodus for example or leviticus and try and go back and resurrect what is dead and buried 36. And when the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the children of Israel went onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud were not taken up, then they journeyed not till the day that it was taken up. Without me, you can do nothing. That's what he would say. Go to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews 
chapter 3. I thought last night if I was to begin Exodus all over again, and it's taken me 28 and a half months, 125 weeks, almost 65 hours. If I was to start it all over again, how would I do it? Where would I start? I wonder sometimes. I wonder how I would approach Revelation again. I spent, I think it was 19 weeks going through Revelation. I spent uh, 29 weeks going through uh, Acts of the Apostles. Mm. I wonder sometimes how I would start or what I, how I would approach it uh, fresh. I wonder sometimes. Uh, Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. Look at verse 2. Who was faithful to him that appointed him? as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath builded the house hath more honour than a house. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. He equipped Aholiab, he would equip Moses, he would equip Aaron and co. to build his house, he would equip Solomon to build his house, he would equip Messiah to Explain the gifts of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant, for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after, but Christ is the Son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. So of course Moses is greater than uh, anybody before him, but Messiah is greater than Moses. Or you, you look at it this way. Melchizedek, Moses, Messiah. Messiah, Moses, Melchizedek. Picture the Trinity. Uh, why in Hebrews go to chapter 5. And I will try and pull all these verses together. Uh, Hebrews chapter 5. Look at verse uh, 8. Though you were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation. Unto all them that obey him. If you love me, keep my words. If you love me, keep my commandments. And to obey him, incidentally, is to believe on him. There's no works involved. Called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek, not Aaron. Fascinating. Exodus chapter 40. Exodus chapter 40. Uh, in fact, go back to verse 35. And Moses was not, was not able, and Moses was not able to enter into the tents of the congregation, because the cloud abode thereon, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Revelation 21, please. Christ would say, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. He would say in uh, Matthew, uh, how his burden was light, and uh, if you were to approach him, you would have uh, peace and rest. Revelation 21, look at verse 3. And I heard a great voice out of heaven, saying, Behold, the tabernacle... Of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and be their God. It's back again. It's back again. Go back to Exodus chapter 40. Uh, look at verse 38. For the cloud of the Lord was upon the tabernacle by day, and fire was on it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. So there you are. We finished. Praise the Lord. But it's not over for the Jews. They've got to walk by sight, not by faith. They have to walk with Jehovah. They have to go through the priest system. They have to sacrifice animals for, like I say, at least another 500 years. 
And even then, when the Lamb of God comes, they would reject him, put him on a cross, and for around 2,000 years, they are in darkness, cut off, without hope, without any way to be redeemed. And that's why it's imperative for those of us which are saved to reach out to Jews, if possible, and get them saved. So we have finished, praise the Lord, the book of Exodus. And just some final thoughts before we wrap up uh, this incredible study looking at the birth of a nation, which, like I say, would begin in gloom, uh, but end in glory. Without the high priest, without the priests, without the tabernacle, without the testimony, without the temple, you couldn't approach the Lord. There was no way to have your sins covered. They were saved, you understand, but they weren't uh, able to go straight to heaven upon death. The tabernacle would become the tent of meeting uh, from chapter 35, replacing the tent used earlier by Moses. Excuse me, it would differ, however, in the sense that God lived within the tent, and so Moses had to stay outside. Whereas previously, Moses had gone inside the tents, and God had remained outside. So even there, times are changing. It starts off with, approach me, come to me, and I will receive you unto myself. Moses approaches Messiah, receives words from Messiah, later writes them down. But again, you couldn't go straight to heaven upon death. There's a major distinction between the Old Testaments and the New Testaments. We are all saved the same way, through imputation, through faith, but the new birth per se. The new birth per se is a New Testament revelation. So chapter 40, just a quick skim through uh, these 38 verses. And I can see the children of Israel finally getting the tabernacle up and running. It's taken around a year, like I say. Uh, Aaron and co. are interceding on behalf of the people. Today Christ intercedes on our behalf. Uh, our salvation is a done deal, like we like to say. But for the Jews, at best their sins were covered but not completely taken away. They weren't taken away until the Lamb of God died for their sins. Uh, verse 14, you've got the pillars uh, building on the stones, which Jacob would uh, accumulate. Jacob, of course, is a picture of Jesus, and the stones that the high priest would wear around his uh, chest area pictures the uh, 12 tribes of Israel. The apostles are the Messiah's men so you get 24 put those numbers together and it could be that the 24 elders found over in revelation are pictures of uh, jacob's sons or 12 senior jews and the 12 apostles of the lamb uh, the lord jesus christ of course prayer is pictured as incense 27 so every time you pray keep on praying because your prayers are going straight up to heaven and the lord loves uh, somebody who prays regularly Angels, yes, they can see the Father's face. They can see every time a sinner repents. But to go beyond that and say that, that they see everything and the redeemed see everything is problematic. The uh, reference to water in verse 30 is a loose connection to baptism, if you will. But of course, you're not saved by being baptized. You are saved by believing and you are damned for not believing. If you are saved, you should be baptized, obviously. But it won't save you. It makes no difference as far as your standing in Christ is concerned. Your state will always fluctuate. Hence why you are told to confess your sins. First uh, John chapter 1. But for the Jews, at least once a year, the high priest would have to go into the Holy of Holies, like I say, and put the blood, literal blood, on the mercy seat. Whereas Christ went into the heavenly of heavenlies, Holy of Holies, and uh, in a way that we don't quite understand, would deposit his blood. It has been said that when he died on the cross, there was no blood left inside of him. And that's quite possible. 
uh, six hours, kept up all night. Uh, so by the time he was taken down from the cross, uh, people like Joseph and Nicodemus uh, working together to uh, salvage his body, a bit like uh, the two gentlemen, uh, Bezalel and Ahodiab, who worked together to build the tabernacle. See, they're going twos. They're going twos. Joseph of Arimathea, Nicodemus, uh, Bezalel, Aholiab, uh, Peter and Paul, Jesus and John, Moses, Elijah, Old Testament, New Testament. I mean, you see how these uh, reoccurring events continue to occur. And it's not just a coincidence. And finally, uh, 32, I'm going to suggest that Aaron and Co. are like surgeons scrubbing up for service. They're going to cut the animal open. Picture of an operation, right? It's a picture of a doctor operating on somebody. They're going to cut the animal open. There'll be bowls involved. Going back to Zechariah 14, 20. The blood of the animal has to go somewhere, obviously. And the blood of Christ would come down and go onto the cross. If you think of Ben-Hur, that wonderful movie, at the end, the blood comes down from the cross. And a bit of artistic license, of course. It uh, joins into a stream and goes uh, down into the outskirts of Jerusalem. The shepherds and the sheep. But there is some truth in that. He died, he bled, yep. and it would have been a pool of blood around the cross. So we can understand that. So Aaron, high priest, picture of a surgeon, Messiah would do an operation on Adam. And from Adam came Eve. I mean, we could spend hours looking at types and shadows to really uh, get a deeper blessing. But I think you understand uh, where we are going with this. 37 again, but if the cloud, but if the cloud were not taken uh, but if the cloud were not taken up, then they journeyed not till the day that it was taken up. No cloud, not going anywhere. For the cloud of the Lord was upon the tabernacle by day, 38. And fire was on it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel, throughout all their journeys. And I thought last night, could we go beyond this? Could we try and get the new birth from this? Uh, John the Baptist would say how he comes with a firing uh, baptism uh, in his hand. Uh, but of course that fire, uh, found over in Matthew 3, is a picture of hell. And yet charismatics use that to picture the, bapt the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which of course isn't something which you would want, if you know what they mean when they say the fire of the Holy Ghost. So let's leave it as it is. Cloud, 37, uh, and uh, fire, 38. But again, from John's Gospel, without me, you can do nothing. And that's really all there is to it. So that is that. And uh, by the grace of God, we have finished the book of Exodus.